Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello, and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting-edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales for your business to acquire more customers so you as a business can achieve your vision. And today is an old-school nugget episode. These are pulled out from the annals, from the dusty old library of perpetual traffic episodes, but still relevant today. And one of the things that is going to be a theme in coming shows is not necessarily always talking about the latest, the hottest thing, because those are all great. And we will certainly help you with those things, especially AI tools. Do a lot with that, a lot of testing. We don't talk about AI tools here on this show unless we actually use them. Even if they look cool, we want to test them out before we talk to you folks about exactly what they're all about. And we'll continue to do that because there's new tools every day, every week, multiple ones. I have a list, probably 27 long that I want my team to start testing. We're not going to talk about those until we actually have real world experience. You know, when you run the, the amount of traffic that Kasim and myself and our agencies do, you have the opportunity to be able to do that. So, so definitely stay tuned for all of those brand new nuggets. However, this week is all about getting back to basics, going back into the catalog from some of the episodes that are maybe even in the hundreds. We're now in the 500s as far as podcast episodes go, which is great. You know, Obviously, really appreciate everyone here being a fan of the show and continuing to download and spread the word about perpetual traffic because the whole goal is to help you as a business get more leads and sales, acquire more customers, and ultimately achieve your vision. So without further ado, we're going to get into these four tips here today, but I'm going to add a fifth. And this is one that is a basic, basic tip for all of you service-based agencies that provide a service. I suppose this could be used for agencies as well. We had a customer that we did a, a test on the button for their scheduled call. And this is a particular service in the financial niche. And what we did is, this is an old one. This is from a few years back. Like I said, this is old school. But what we did is instead of having the call to action on the button, say, book a discovery call, we changed it to book a demo or get a demo. Slight different linguistics, slightly different language. And just by changing the wording on the button, not the color of the button, a lot of zero agencies talking about, oh, you know, you have to have a contrasting color on the button. I get that. I understand it. You should be able to squint on the website and be able to see what button, what you want to call attention to, specifically a call to action button. You certainly see that on tier11.com. Head on over there. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Pink is the only place where we use that color because it's the call to action button. So there is that. It's part of this tip. But also test based upon the 
action that they're going to take. Because a lot of people, what we find is when we do heat maps, they hover over that button a lot. There's a lot of time spent. And obviously, using some kind of level of heat mapping, we like Lucky Orange as our heat mapping software. There's a lot of them that are out there. Lucky Orange just so happens to be the one that we love. Tanner Larson actually sort of turned us on to that, which could be its own episode here. But test the wording on your button, especially if you're a service-based business. If you're listening to this, you have a power washing company, or maybe you sell lawn services, or maybe you have a bookkeeping service. Test the language on that button. And it's one test, I think, that you can do that you can see some really good results with. And in this particular case, we got five times more people that got on a call when we called it demo versus discovery call. So that's tip number one here today. The rest of the tips here are from some of our past guests, some really basic, especially the second one. If you're just starting out, pay attention to tip number two. We don't recommend tip number two if you're more advanced, but if you're just starting out, setting up your meta accounts, your Instagram, your Facebook accounts, tip number two I think that's from the hundreds, like one of the first episodes we actually did still rings true today. And trust me, when I look at a lot of ad accounts and we look at dozens every single week, we see a lot of the basics not being done. Yeah, all the tips and the tricks and the latest tactics, those are sometimes being done at the expense of the basics. So never forget the basics. As Cosm says, practice your free throws, not just your threes. And that way you'll be able to scale and grow your business and acquire more customers for your business and ultimately achieve your vision. So we're going to get into the rest of the tips right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me, and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. When we were interviewing Michael Stelzner, he was talking about Social Media Examiner and how they get a lot of organic traffic. So say, for example, you're wondering, 
what do I do? I have a bunch of traffic organically from SEO, but I'm not quite sure what to do with it. Using that option to create an audience of the 5% of people who spend the most time on your website and then creating a lookalike audience off of those people is very smart. It's a great asset to use if you are someone who has a bunch of traffic, but you're wanting to reach more of a colder audience. So I've been using that a lot at Digital Marketer to target people with website conversion campaigns to generate leads. And I'm just creating lookalike audiences off of the people who spend the 5% most amount of time on our blog. So Facebook's added all of these new features that basically lets us leverage almost any online following that we have, whether it's something on Facebook or whether we're uploading data from an email list or phone numbers that we have, maybe we're a local business. So I really think the most important part of this is not only figuring out what the goal of your campaign is, which that should always determine what audiences you're going to use and who you're going to target, but also leveraging what you have. Even if you don't have a bunch of website visitors or you don't have a big email list, you probably have something. It's a great starting point so that you're not starting from scratch. Typically, what we do is we'll look at every campaign kind of as a group of these kind of four main audiences, you've got two kind of core audiences that are warm audiences. And one is, boom, you're going to start with your fans and you're going to be targeting your fans. Maybe you're excluding people that have opted in. And then the second one is warm audiences. So any warm audience that we have, maybe it's all website visitors, maybe it's anybody who has watched at least 10 seconds or 25% or more of any video, people who have been to the website, maybe we're not going super deep in this case, we're just anybody that's been to the website. So any warm audience we have, we usually lump those all into one big audience. It gives Facebook a bigger audience to work with, so they can do their thing. Their algorithm typically will work better the bigger the audience they have, so they have more time throughout that 24-hour period to go out and find the best of the best within that audience. And you can't really combine your fans and your warm audiences because Facebook will require them to be a fan and have visited your site or and have watched a video. So fans are the one warm audience. The second one is all your other warm audiences. Maybe they're your email lists, your customer lists that haven't bought that specific offer, whatever it is, all those together. Keep it simple. So the third kind of group is our cold audiences now, and, and these are our lookalike audiences. So I might start with my 1% lookalike audience of all my contacts, all right? Let's say I have 1,000 customers and 10,000 subscribers. Starting out, I'm going to keep it simple, give Facebook as much data they have, and I just might go, boom, all contacts. Or I might be an e-commerce company, and I've got 10,000 customers, and I've only got like 13,000 subscribers, like just a few more. So I'm just going to go, let's use our customers only. I'm going to create a 1% lookalike out of all my customers. Okay. So now I've got one warm audience fans, another warm audience, which is all people that have engaged anywhere in my world. And then my third audience is my 1% lookalike of 10,000 customers, or maybe it's all contacts. Okay. And then maybe my fourth audience is interests. So now we've done our research and we found that it's going to be people that like Petco or these different audiences, or maybe it's they're in B2B and, and it's my world and, and digital marketer or Frank Kern or somebody like that. So 
I might go out and find and let's start with those those top six or seven or eight interests and go from there. So we've got our kind of interest audiences that are cold. We've got our lookalike audiences that are cold. And then we've got our two warm audiences. Boom, we've got our foundation there. And now we can launch our campaign and we can start to add more. We can start to test different lookalike audiences. Let's get some momentum. Let's get some data in there and uh, let's keep it simple and then start to add more complexity as we get some momentum. Yeah, you got to start small. I mean, don't get too complicated here. I mean, I think those audiences that you lay out right there, Keith, they're, are perfect when you're just starting. And all of them are relating back to that end goal because you want to create buyers for that particular product based upon the objective of your ads. I think the theme we keep coming back to here is that you just really do have to keep it simple. I mean, do you have a way that you're honing in on exactly who the avatar is for each of the products that you're trying to create these videos for? I don't think I have a formula or any method. Unfortunately, I think a lot of it is instinct from just who I've worked with for so long. Mm -hmm. I know that's not valuable to anyone. (laughs) um, You know, I I think when it comes to video ads, whether it's for e-com or it's for SaaS or it's for anything, I think you have to keep it simple, first of all because people don't have time to take in a lot, mm-hmm. um, especially on today's social media platforms. It's keep it simple because obviously, like they always say, a confused mind doesn't buy and a confused mind doesn't click a video ad to see what's next. So keep it simple would be the first thing I would say. And then speak to the problem, speak to what the consumer, what their issue is. If it's safety for their family, then it's survival food. If it's keeping a car clean, then it's this product. If it's having a better way to email your customers, then it's this product. So speak to the problem, speak to the desire, keep it simple. That goes back to knowing what the purpose of the video is, whether it's a VSL or an ad. You don't want to confuse people. You don't want it to be longer than it has to be. You don't have to say everything that the product does in one video. You don't have to say that they get a 30-day money-back guarantee in the video because they're going to see that on the landing page. So you have to edit those things out and just speak to the desire and the outcome and doing it in an engaging and compelling way. And then let the landing page, let the BSL do the rest of the work later on. Yeah, when you're saying the, the job of the video ad is really is to get the click. I mean, it's selling the click. You're not selling the thing right there. It's pre-framing it. And if you can get that click, then yeah, you don't have to put everything into the video because obviously that's the job of the sales page. But it's a pretty chunky front end video. Your sales page doesn't need to be extremely long. From what we found, like it needs to be just sort of short. Let them buy, especially if the price point is amenable. So it's like a lot of those things you just get to know with time doing it. You mentioned pattern interrupt a lot, and we all sort of take it for granted as to what Mm -hmm. it is. But I mean, if listeners of the show might not know what that is, but what is your definition of a pattern interrupt and why it's so important, especially in the first three to six seconds of a video? Or is it that important in the first three to six seconds of a video? um, It kind of has evolved over the years. When I worked with Frank, my background was more television. To me, a pattern interrupt was, you know, so he would be driving in a car and he would say something for a little bit and a pattern interrupt would be a new location or cutting to the car driving and then him walking in somewhere and then continuing what he was talking about mm-hmm. um, or switching the music would be a pattern interrupt more cutaways would be a pattern interrupt so mm-hmm. like those are more traditional pattern interrupts when you're talking about video ads for e-com it's a little different 
a patterner might be a lot of quick cuts in the first few seconds. It might be reframing what people think about things like the survival food mm-hmm. or for hand sanitizer, 20 shots of doorknobs in two seconds, and then having a title that frames what they're about to watch. Like I'm a big fan of real big, bold, simple titles in video ads. I think a mistake a lot of people make with social media ads, it, they have a lot of busy footage with titles on the bottom or the top and no one consumes those titles because they're looking at the the video. So like I love showing something and then cutting to a full screen title and then showing something and cutting to a full screen title. And even that is kind of a pattern interrupt in its own way because you're switching up what they're consuming so quickly Mm. uh, visually. So those are referred to as quick cuts. Yeah. And part of it is I've been editing so long. I kind of just have a good feel of how long something should be or how long it should stay on screen. And the other half of it is you got to be a critic of your work. You can't make something and be like, wow, that's so good. I mean, I just made something so great. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And be like, what what can I do here? You could challenge yourself. If something is two minutes, say, how can I make this 30 seconds and still say the same thing? Because Mm -hmm. there's a way to do that. The way you could take a 10-minute video and make it a one-minute video, as hard as it might be, it's possible with editing. And so I think challenging yourself constantly, you could say something without losing the meat of the message is an important aspect of at least editing, I believe. And I think my background, like I said, my background is editing and my strongest attribute, I'd say, would be editing. So I think, like, just don't be a fan of your own work. When I was 26, I bought the franchising rights to Remax of Indiana. And over the next 10 years, I opened up 85 offices and recruited over 1,200 agents that worked in my company. And in 1992, six years, five years after I opened it, we got stuck at 1.2 billion a year in sales, which was a great place to be stuck. I go, why are we stuck? I've got the best freaking training on listings, the best training on sales skills. I know Jack Canfield and Brian Tracy and Dennis Waitley and Zig Ziglar. I've got the best freaking trainers in the world coming to teach my agents. And I realize, oh my God, they're not stuck because they don't know what to do. They're stuck because of all the other stuff that holds people back, their self-image, their limiting beliefs, their fears, their set points. And so I said, hey, I wonder if... We started to recalibrate, re-script, reshape people's self-image and financial set points using what I started to use when I was 19, right, 41 years ago. When I started to retrain my brain daily using these methodologies I've been sharing, uh, my income skyrocketed. But I want to see what would happen with a group of my agents who at the time, in 1992, the average real estate agent in Indiana was making $38,000 a year, including in my company. And so I took 75 agents over six months to help them with all the stuff we've been talking about, recalibrate their hidden self-image, their beliefs, et cetera. And those 75 agents increased sales in that six months over the same period the year before by over 100 million dollars. And then over the next few years from 1992 to 1997, I taught it to all of my agents. And we went from 1.2 billion to four and a half billion a year. We didn't teach them any more closing techniques. We didn't teach them any more listing techniques. We didn't teach them any more time management techniques. We didn't teach them any of that. We changed their identity to match the income and the level of success they want to achieve. Our average agent went from 38,000 to 120,000 average income in five years. 
So when we're talking about perpetual traffic, yes, we need to know what to do, how to do it, why to do it. You know, you need to know your metrics and how to generate leads and qualify and convert and nurture. I get all that stuff. But what you need to be focusing on even more is why aren't you doing just what you already know you should be doing? Forget about the new techniques and tips and tools and resources. Oh, my God. Why aren't you doing the stuff you learned last week and the week before and the week before that and, the, and three months ago and six months ago? You said, oh, my God, it was so amazing back then. Why aren't you doing that? Mm -hmm. And so the answer is the shiny object syndrome. Shiny object <laughs> syndrome because shiny objects activate dopamine. And that's the reward neurochemical in the brain. So we keep getting this reward neurochemical in the brain and then serotonin gets involved and we talk about it. We do this mental masturbation with each other. We high five each other and kumbaya each other. And we're bonding because we're learning and growing, but we're not changing our behaviors. And for behavioral change, there needs to be a much more methodical approach to changing from the inside out. And we have to sometimes slow down to pick up speed. We have to sometimes slow down to create a new behavioral process. That's why I don't mind talking about what to do, how to do it, when to do it. But if people don't get the fundamental mechanics of why they get stuck, okay, or why they sabotage or why they procrastinate, then we're not doing them a service of how do I level up my own abilities. There are two stories I always love to share around change. There's a gal that came to one of my events talking about this. Her name is Joni Sanders, and she's in a small little town just uh, outside of Perth. She was in her 60s, never made more than $12,000 a year on a widow's salary after her husband passed away, raising five or six kids. And she was doing social work for free. And she'd been doing social work for free for like 30 years because she didn't feel like she was worth it. Within 12 months of getting what I just shared, she was making seventy-five dollars to $100,000 a year, doing the same thing she was charging nothing for. Cat Rama Books, 80-year-old wedding planner in Kauai, almost bankrupt. Husband's got cancer, she's almost bankrupt, doesn't know what they're gonna do. She starts to reimagine herself at 80. Within 12 months of working the inner game stuff, she made $247,500 in her wedding planning business, took 50 grand, took her husband on a trip to Thailand, paid for it in cash. And unfortunately, he died afterwards. But because she changed the calibration in here, instead of going bankrupt, she went on a trip of a lifetime. I can share the entrepreneur after entrepreneur after entrepreneur that I've worked with that in addition to the techniques, I get that, the strategies, I get that. If you don't also work on what's driving perspective and behaviors, long-term, not short-term, we can all visualize right now. We can all use an affirmation or a declaration or a promise right now. You know, we can all take a technique we learned today because we read it in a book and apply it right now at an event that we went to. But I still have a question. The last event you went to, of all those notes that you took and the promises you made and the excitement you have, how many did you apply? Like how many? And for most people, it's maybe three. a handful if they're lucky. Yeah, awesome. You're rare at three because you're going back to, okay, your patterns when we come home. So I know this is probably not where you guys want it to go on perpetual traffic. Hopefully it's going to be a really good discussion for you guys to have in, in your community because sometimes it's not learning what's the latest, the greatest, the best. You know, sometimes it's around taking what we already know and becoming more consistent with doing that. 
let's talk about how you all created a 40% CPL drop using AI. This seems just way too good to be true. I'm highly skeptical. All right. So I'll give a bit of a backstory. Renads for, and this is one brand that has three brands underneath. We will run traffic to all of them. Different brands, obviously different airfares, everything is different. Kind of like one umbrella brand. So 2022 was definitely a tough year across the board for these guys. And at the end of the 2022, what we decided to do is we did an entire yearly review and we looked back to everything that we did. All the ads we ran, everything, we uncovered like pretty much everything that there is to cover. And we looked at everything and we asked ourselves, okay, what can we do better next year? And then we started to analyze, okay, we've done that, that was missing, this could have done, this could be better. And then we started mapping out different opportunities for us to explore next year. So we mapped out and I'll give just a couple of stuff we identified. So for these guys, they have a lot of franchisees. So each franchisee has their own budget. Sometimes the budget are extremely low. We all know that Meta likes to have at least 7x of your CPA per day. That's not the case for these guys. So what ended up happening is last year, we ran a couple of retargeting ads for a couple of campaigns. They generated good results, but then for other campaigns that didn't have sufficient budget, and I'm talking like sufficient budget, they didn't even have like five bucks a day to run for retargeting. It was that low. So we thought about it and it's like, okay, retargeting ads made the performance better. We should have to enforce it across all campaigns, regardless of the budget, it is what it is. So. We looked at all of our ads that converted well for cold traffic, and then we started tweaking the messaging to be suitable more for warm traffic. So that was point number one, just launch retargeting as a cost board. And I'm talking about like 70 campaigns for two accounts, and then another account was like around 13. So over like 150 campaigns. So the reason for that is these are individual franchisees and individual markets like DMAs. Their markets are very, very specific. They don't want to advertise outside of that individual region. So this is a massive campaign structure, lots of humans touching it and optimizing it on a regular basis. And this is not your typical kind of, oh, simplify things with four or five campaigns like Meta recommends you doing. This is a massive thing, but all in its own geography, all tied back to the individual franchisee. Exactly. Yep. So the first point was retargeting as the second point was we know that there was the landing pages just didn't convert as they used to convert. When we tried multiple messaging on the ad side, we tried a lot of things, but the landing page just didn't deliver the job. So we thought, okay, developing a completely new landing page, that's something that can take a lot of time. We need to get results faster. So we went back to Legion forms on Facebook. Now, if you don't know the evolution of Legion forms, previously, the first variation was you click on the lead form and then you submit your details and that's it, you're gone. The second variation, because Meta understood that the lead forms produced really low quality leads because people didn't remember what the heck they're opting in for. So what the second variation of it was, you click on the lead form and then you have to swipe with your finger to approve your submission and that's it. Do the lead still pre-populate with your profile information? One of the experiences we've had using lead forms, and this is anecdotal, but I think other people have had this too, is people don't always use their most legitimate email address for their Facebook profile. Is there any way to like get them to update that or swap it over? That's a great question. I think Zuckerberg is busy with his upcoming fight with Musk, but after that, I'll give him a call <laughs> and I'll ask him. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious, like, for example, if you have a really compelling delivery that's about to happen, like Rachel Peterson, who's a friend of mine, she's got this phenomenal lead magnet she's running, uh, 300 ideas for TikTok. I don't even run TikTok, but I do a lot of social, and so I wanted the lead magnet. So I go message her on Instagram saying, I want the lead magnet, and she says, great, 
chat me your email address and I'll send it to you. Boom. I'm going to give her my real email, not the BS email. And if you use that with lead forms, you could do the exact same thing. I don't mean to ask a question and then answer it. But one idea would be just make sure that the opt-in leads to a promised delivery and the delivery value is high enough. And then you can make sure that they, because I know the field is open, it's available. So it's locked with whatever email they have pre-populated so they can update it with a better email address. Right. Yep. We also addressed that issue with the lead form that we created. So when Facebook created the third variation, now it's called Rich Creative. They're kind of combining instant experience and lead form, which was always my dream that they'll do it. So you actually can build like a landing page with an opt-in form inside of Facebook. So you can bypass if your current landing page is not working or if there's any technical issue or whatever, you can set up an actual landing page inside of Facebook. So what we ended up doing is we chose the third option. And then basically all I did, and again, I built the page and I am not a copywriter by all means, but the lead form still crushed it. What I did is actually looked at the landing page and I just pulled information that was really strong, strong bullet points, strong promises and stuff. And then I used ChatGPT to rephrase them for the lead form because there was a character limit. So for example, for the headline, you can use like 81 characters. For the bullet points, I think it's around like 40. So we had to tweak them accordingly. And then we started build the lead form inside of Meta. So let me share my screen and I'll just show you how it looks like. This is where you'd want to go over to the YouTube channel, perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube, right? Awesome. That's right. Follow along. Yeah. See what Kobe's doing. See what Kobe's doing. Yeah. Because this is pretty cool. So once again, thanks for listening to this week's show. Make sure that you subscribe and leave a rating wherever you listen, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's Spotify, everywhere, and leave a rating there. certainly helps us to reach a wider audience and help digital marketers just like yourself. Let us know what we can do better over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Follow me on LinkedIn and follow Perpetual Traffic on all the socials. We're on every single social now. We produce, I think, 100 pieces of content a week. So definitely check that out, Perpetual Traffic, as well as Tier 11. Follow Kasim on all of his socials as well. He's becoming very, very philosophical in his old age, at Kasim Aslam on Twitter and all the other socials. So make sure you do go back and listen to the previous episodes. We're going to leave links in the show notes for where these nuggets came from. So you can go back in and say, all right, that's one maybe I don't understand quite as well. But listen to the full episode. We'll leave links for that through the back catalog, which will help you to scale and grow your business. And make sure that you do check out our YouTube channel over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. And all resources and show notes, obviously, will be over at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam, until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 